Good morning, and let's get started with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you and I praise you for the ways that you take care of us, that you are a good and provident God and our loving Father. I ask Jesus that you would bless us and give us all the gifts and graces we need to to know you and love you and serve you well. Lord, I ask that you'd bless this program and all those who listen. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I want to start with a funny story. Actually, no, it's 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 not funny. It's um, it, it would make you laugh, but it was um, it wasn't funny. It was um, glorious. It was glorious. Um, it, it has to do with the theology of event. Uh, I mentioned uh, on the program on Friday when I had on Mary Catherine and Mary Grace. We told the story of their arrival uh, at home. It was a surprise and. Um, and I, I, I want to bring it back up because it really points to the theology of Advent. Yes, indeed, the theology of Advent is connected to my daughter's coming home for Thanksgiving. And not just Mary Catherine and Mary Grace, my first and third daughter, who came home together. Mary Catherine flew to Portland, and then the two of them drove up. But Anne Marie as well. She flew back from Boston. And in each of these encounters that Kerry had, there was an event quality to it. Um, And I use that word very intentionally. If you listen to Sound Insight, you know that um, I have been formed and shaped very much by the theology of time connected to St. Augustine, more powerfully and importantly in St. Bonaventure's writings, but as interpreted by and developed by Pope Benedict XVI, who did his second doctorate on uh, the concept of time in St. Bonaventure in his writings. And um, you can see that reflected in some of the then Cardinal Ratzinger's writings, or Joseph Ratzinger, the theologian, uh, his writings on eschatology, on the final things. Okay, that's a really long wind-up to say that when we think of time, we think of time as flowing from the past to the future. And we think of time flowing in a seasonal pattern. And so here we are at the beginning of this liturgical year. And yet the beginning of this liturgical year, as distinct from this calendar year, actually also highlights a very different meaning of time than chronological time or the movement of time from the past to the future. If you listen to my program, I talk quite a bit about the concept of an event, the now is the time, now is the day of celebration. Uh, sorry, salvation. And it's that concept of inbreaking, the breaking into what is ordinary. That when something comes from, let's say, the vertical dimension, breaks into, so it's no longer horizontal movement from past to future, but a breaking into time, a breaking open time, and a manifesting in time something that is shocking, something that is. Uh, beyond ordinary, something that is spectacular, right? These are like big words, something that is astonishing. The more that that is the case, the more that you're encountering something that is an event. So an event is an experience of time that is less horizontal movement from past to future and more this stunning and even astonishing breaking into our awareness of a reality that comes from beyond. And so 
that's actually much more like the reality of Advent. So when we think of Advent, we think of it as a time of preparation leading to Christmas. And it is that. It is that. In fact, a, a little side note here. Um, Carrie and I feel a little bit ripped off. We feel a little bit ripped off because we both grew up in homes that principally looked at Advent as a time of anticipation of the fulfillment of the promise of the coming of the Messiah, right? And is that correct? Yeah, absolutely it is. But what we, neither of us, were really um, taught to emphasize was that Advent was a season of penance, it was a penitential season. It was a season of, of fasting, of giving things up. In fact, it was an awful lot like Lent. And so I just want to say that I never grew up and I never learned. I never, and I, I've even given teachings on Advent, but never really focused on the penitential, penance quality associated with Advent. And, and well, why is that? Well, there, there's a way in which doing penance removes blockages. Doing penance, being penitential, has a way of rolling away the stone. It has a way of clearing away the obstacles that get in the way of our movement towards God. And so, in the course of this Advent, I am going to be highlighting a little bit more. <clears throat> excuse me. I have a cold here, so you have to excuse me for that. <clears throat> There is a way in which I'm going to highlight a little bit differently this year than in years past themes and dimensions of Advent that are maybe atypical. They're not going to be Hallmark movie themes. <laughs> Even though we watched a couple Hallmark movies over the past week, which were just a riot. Oh my goodness. I I, I almost lost my breath. I, I was laughing so hard. We watched a Hallmark movie together. And, and the beginning of it was so hilarious, I, I couldn't breathe. Um, and that was just a darling thing to do with, with my kiddos that were at home. Anyways, um, while well, I keep digressing further and further back, I want to eventually get back around to my point. But I'm going to be talking about things like spiritual warfare, things like fasting, things like novenas. Novenas can be a spiritual discipline that you undertake in order to fulfill the gift of Advent. In fact, during the program, I'm going to pray um, a, a, a novena to the Immaculate Conception, a novena to the Blessed Mother under the title of the Immaculate Conception, which, as you know, is coming up eight days from now. So I'm actually recording this on Monday. So this is day one of a novena to the Blessed Mother under her title, the Immaculate Conception. So a novena to the Immaculate Conception, and I'm going to pray it with you on the air. So I'm going to pray it as day one, okay? Even though if you're listening to this program, and as you are, it's Tuesday, it's actually day two, but don't let that discourage you. I'm going to tell you where you can get the novena, and then you can join in. You can join in on making a novena this Advent. In fact, I counted it up. I got my days right. You can actually fit into this particular Advent season three novenas. Now, how cool is that? That's a beautiful way of looking towards, which is a, an Advent theme. 
which is a theme of awaiting fulfillment, which is a theme of, guess what, event. So I'm going to encourage you to at least consider utilizing the Advent season as a season to do some novenas. And and you can start with this first one, this novena to the Immaculate Conception. So before I go there, though, I want to talk about this this theme of, of time as an event and how that's connected to Advent. So I mentioned this idea of the surprise, the astonishing, the spectacular, breaking into the ordinary. And that happened, first of all, to Carrie when she was at a basketball game. She was there watching um, our two sons and one of our daughters play in these three different basketball games, the JV boys and then the varsity boys and girls games last Tuesday. And it was at those games, like during like halftime of one of the games that Mary Grace and Mary Catherine showed up. And so first Mary Grace came in and again, to see the look on Carrie's face and see the reaction that happened to her was a type of astonishment. Because literally with the appearance of Mary Grace, what was an ordinary moment became extraordinary. What was a moment that would have been just typical and for everybody else, It was just a typical thing. Who is this person walking in? Oh, I think I've seen that person before. Oh, I think that's one of the current kids, right? That would have been, at best, the reaction of the people that were there. But for Carrie, who didn't expect the coming of her oldest daughter into the gym when she did, it was a moment of wonder. It was a moment of astonishment. It was a moment of uncontainable joy. And so she was so excited when she saw Mary Grace give her a big hug. What are you doing here? This is amazing. And little did she know that the second shoe was going to drop, which was another event. And this one was even more astonishing for her because this first daughter, Mary Grace, that came in was in range, if you will. She lives in just outside of Portland. And so for her to come home during Thanksgiving even though it was not planned, not known, not expected, it's still one of those things that, oh, well, she could just hop in her car and get over here. Well, then when she went to the ladies' room and we got my third daughter, Mary Catherine, in, who's at Franciscan, and hid her behind her siblings, when Mary uh, and I distracted Carrie as she came back up, sta- up to the top of the stands, all of a sudden, Mary Catherine popped out. And so again, think of that as event quality, all right? Think of it as an event quality. There is a manifestation, a breaking open of the present moment and of what is expected there, and something enters in that is utterly shocking. And Carrie's reaction was priceless. She she squealed. She squealed with delight and surprise. Now, uh, and then the next day, there was a similar event this time happening in the house. I snuck in Anne Marie into the back door of the house. I had her lie down under a blanket on the couch. I had Carrie come in. And I was complaining about the couch and being a mess in the room. And she came in and all of a sudden, Anne Marie popped out and said, surprise. And there was again this sort of stunned into silence. And then the, what are you doing here? The joy. So wouldn't you like to have that be part of your spiritual life? What if that was intended by God for your spiritual life? That 
theme of event, that theme of breaking in, breaking open, manifesting a personal presence that is completely unexpected, undeserved, unanticipated, right? Uh, not, not merited, a pure gift of the breaking in. And in this instance, what are we talking about? We're talking about Advent. Advent. And just to be clear, the way in which Advent puts on its head our own ordinary, maybe typical expectation and experiences of this season of the year, that Advent is about us going towards Christmas. That's been the typical experience. Advent is about us heading towards Christmas. And there are many things that get in the way. We plan for it. We've got parties. We've got events. We've got special gatherings. We've got happenings at school, right? Uh, happenings at the church, all these different things going on. And they're moving us forward with heightened anticipation for the celebration of Christmas. It So the let's call it the existential experience, especially as it relates to time, is that Advent is a time where our schedules get very crowded by events, known by events, by happenings that are connected to us heading towards Christmas. But that, if that's our experience of Advent, we are literally reversing, reversing the theological meaning of Advent. Because Advent doesn't mean going towards it doesn't mean us going towards the Lord, us going towards the date of his and the celebration of his birth. Advent is about coming to. It's about the Lord coming to us. Advent means come to. That, that's Adventus, to come to. And, and I want you to hear that, that the way that we see and relate to Advent, if it's about us going towards Christmas, that'll mean one entire way of living it, one entire way of, of behaving towards it. But if we see and relate to Advent as a season where the Lord is coming to us, where we need to prepare for the coming of the Lord to us, there's a coming to, and that coming to can be a breaking into, that coming to can be an astonishing, unexpected marvel of the Lord breaking in, breaking open and coming into our lives that is even more joyful and more like causing of delightful squeals of, uh, of joy that fill us to overflowing than even our kids showing up in front of us. It's the Lord showing up in front of us. Then that's a season I don't want to miss. Back in a minute. Welcome back to the program. It's great to be with you. And again, I'm always encouraged to hear from you. If you have any feedback from me about these programs, please go to mycatholicfaith.org. You can contact me there. You also have free downloads, free digital resources, audio and video, eBooks that you can download. My book, um, I finally released it on marriage, A Gift from God. It's available to you for the big old price of free. There you go, free of charge. Uh, there is an opportunity to give a donation there if you would want to, uh, to support the work I'm doing in ministry. 
which I'd appreciate as well. But um, it's also a chance for you to enjoy these programs again by signing up for the podcast on Apple Podcasts at the Dr. Tom Curran Podcast, or you can just listen to them and enjoy them on mycatholicfaith.org. So all of that and more found on mycatholicfaith.org. So getting started, I thought, you know, why don't, why don't we just start in with this novena? So among all the things that you can do to help you experience Advent as an event, as a coming to, as an experience of time that is not about us going forward towards God, but rather experiencing time as that reality where God is coming towards us. Really, at the end of the day, if we look at time in a human-centric way, then it's about us going towards God. But if we look at time in a God-centered way, then it's about God coming towards us. God, the creator of time, comes towards us. And that's the stunning thing, is that if you think about it, you who are a little creature that God has created, whom he has elevated to be a child of God if you're baptized, and to be able to live a life of faith, you are that precious to God. You're that like, uh, valuable to God, that, that loved by God that he wants to break into your right now. He wants to break into the right now moment of your life. And he wants to show you who he is. Just like my kids popped up, they showed up, and they said, here I am, here I am, I want to be with you. And, and that's what God wants to do. And so I'm going to be highlighting different practices to help us become disposed, ready, to, to have an expectant faith, for, to have a hope for these events, these encounters, these breaking in, breaking open, breaking through events of the Lord God in your life. And so the first one I recommended was to pray a novena. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to pray day one of this novena to the Immaculate Conception. So again, the Immaculate Conception is putting the Blessed Mother at the point of focus in this novena. Why? Well, she is, you talk and you say, who is the one who experienced the greatest coming to their lives by God? Well, it's the Blessed Mother, right? Come on. <laughs> the Lord came to her. The announcement from Gabriel was that the Lord was coming to her and took flesh in her. The Word became flesh, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us because of her yes, because of her fiat, because of her let it be done unto me according to thy word. So the Blessed Mother is the model of Advent, the model of a Catholic Christian approach to this season of the year. So as we enter into this liturgical season, let's do so asking for a Marian attitude, a Marian way of relating to it, one of readiness, openness, awaiting, the expectancy of saying, come to me, Lord, I'm here, I'm awaiting you. And one way to do that is by expressing that waiting in prayer. That's what a novena does. 
right? What was the first novena? The first novena was those days that sat between Ascension Thursday and Pentecost Sunday, when Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem, but pray and wait for the coming of the Spirit, the promise of the Father. Then you'll be my witnesses throughout the ends of the earth. So a novena is all about fulfilling the will of God by putting yourself in a place of expectant waiting, looking towards the sense of he is coming, he is coming, he is coming soon. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Well, for the first novena. But in our instance, it's going to be, Lord, forge in us the spirit, the attitude of your mother. Forge in us that spirit of receptivity, of docility, of openness, of readiness to receive. And so to have as a, um, as a, a practice in um, Lent, uh, Lent <laughs> in Advent, the kinds of things that will help with this is going to enrich like the, the meaningfulness of what this Advent is, is and can be for you. Like think about it. Like you, you might experience this Advent breakthroughs into your spiritual life where you come to know that God is the living God, that Jesus Christ is Lord in an intimate, personal, and profound way. You might have in this Advent an encounter with the Father. Whoa! An encounter with the Father where you come to sense the Father's fatherly care for you. And that might heal you. That might heal your own relationship that you have with your own Father. Wow! You might come into a more intimate, personal relationship and contact with the Holy Spirit in your life. This is amazing. Like, this is what Advent can be? This is about us. Like, how many times in this season are you planning to have guests over? And when you plan to have guests over, what are you doing for the hours leading up to the arrival of the guests? Probably the days before, you're making sure you have the food you need and the schedules are aligned and all that. But the hours before, what are you doing? You're cleaning up. You're getting the space ready. <laughs> we always joke about how having events at our house is a great practice for our kids because it makes sure that it gets our house clean. <laughs> Everybody's room is clean. Uh, windows are washed. Uh, carpets are vacuumed. Floors are scrubbed. Oh, it's it's awesome. It is awesome because you want to have a worthy space to receive your honored guests. You want to make sure that you're ready for them. And so you clean up and get yourself ready. So we can do the same thing, right? So this is what Advent is, is doing the same thing, even though we don't know the time of the arrival. We don't know when it's going to happen, but we do know that this is what the Lord intends in this season. Is this, on our side, we do what we can to make ourselves disposed and ready, and we remove the blockages, and then we put ourselves in that place of waiting. And putting ourselves in that place of waiting doesn't cause the Lord to show up. He doesn't say, okay, finally, now I can show up. That's not how it works. It's still all a gift from the Lord. It's still a grace. But there's a way in which the Lord coming to us just uh, finds a worthy receptacle. And I think just that's so beautiful. So I'm going to pray the novena. A little later in the program, I'm going to pray a prayer. It's not one of the prayers we're praying during Advent, but it's a prayer connected to Thanksgiving.
If you've been following along in the shows I've been doing over the past weeks, one of the themes that has shown up is how do you develop your prayer life? And what do you do, what do you say in your prayer life? And one of the things that uh, I was focused on were the types of prayer. So I talked quite a bit about intercessory prayer. I talked a bit about praise, but I didn't really talk about thanksgiving. And there's a very powerful prayer of reparation to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. That is a very fitting Advent prayer. It's a, it's a big prayer. It is a big, it's a traditional prayer that is offering oneself an act of reparation to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And I think it's a very fitting. It, it fits within the, the theme and the spirit of Advent, but also in that theme and spirit of clearing away the blockages. And one of the big blockages is ingratitude. A lack of gratitude for the gifts and graces that the Lord has so lavishly poured out upon our lives. And so I will pray that prayer later. But before we do that, I'm going to pray the Immaculate uh, Conception Novena. And so let's begin. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. O most pure Virgin Mary, conceived without sin, from the very first instant, you were entirely immaculate. O glorious Mary, full of grace, you are the mother of my God, the queen of angels and of men. I humbly venerate you as the chosen mother of my Savior, Jesus Christ. The Prince of Peace and the Lord of Lords chose you for the singular grace and honor of being his beloved mother. By the power of his cross, he preserved you from all sin. Therefore, by his power and love, I have hope and bold confidence in your prayers for my holiness and salvation. I pray that your prayers will bring me to imitate your holiness and submission to Jesus and the divine will. Queen of heaven, I beg you to beg my Savior to grant me these requests. And at this point, I encourage you, whatever your own intentions are for yourself or for your loved ones, for others, that you'd mention them now. My Holy Mother, I know that you are obedient to the will of God. In making this petition, I know that God's will is more perfect than mine. So grant that I may receive God's grace with humility, as you did. As my final request, I ask that you pray for me to increase in faith in our risen Lord. I ask that you pray for me to increase in hope in our risen Lord. I ask that you pray for me to increase in love for the risen Jesus. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's actually a pretty easy novena. Uh, it's powerful. The prayers are powerful, but it that is not one that's too extensive. It, uh, it, 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 it doesn't, it's, it's not too complicated. I think it's easy to enter into. It's easy to amen those prayers. 
Uh, there's nothing too forceful there. Um, and you can find it at PrayMoreNovenas.com. That's pretty cool. PrayMoreNovenas, N-O-V-E-N-A-S, PrayMoreNovenas.com. And um, it'll give you a great chance to to join in if you want to join in on the Immaculate Conception Novena. When you're hearing this, you're on day two, but you know what? Pray day one and pray t- day two, and you'll be all caught up. The Lord's not going to say, oh, <sighs> you know, you missed it. Sorry. Wait till another year. But again, a great chance. Hey, you have, you have a chance to do three sets of novenas between the beginning of Advent and Christmas. I don't know if you heard that, but this, this is actually the longest possible Advent. Um, actually, well, I think so, because Christmas is on Saturday so um, this year. So I do think this is the longest possible Advent. Um, I think so. Unless Christmas was on Sunday. I'll, I'll find out. I'll figure it out. <laughs> this is one of the longest. This is one of the two longest. <laughs> I can say that for sure. It's one of the two longest Advent seasons. And my encouragement is that uh, you'll enter into this season of Advent um, with that spirit that, gosh, I, I just never encountered before. I just never encountered that idea that Advent was a penitential season, um, not a not a season of uh, just lots of celebrations and, and holiday festivities, and then it gets capped off by Christmas. And, and it, I think I understand better now certain um, certain families that tend to be a bit more traditional um, will make decisions like, we're not going to put up a Christmas tree until Christmas Eve or until Christmas Day. Um, we're not going to um, live this as an overly festive time um, during Advent because of that spirit. And you know what really taught us this, honestly? It was going to the traditional Latin Mass. Um, It was there that we were schooled into the more traditional understanding of Advent as a penitential season involving fasting and penance and acts of self-denial as a way, again, of clearing away the blockages and preparing you for really entering into the graces of this season itself as well as maximally bearing fruit for the graces of the, the great uh, solemnity of the nativity of Jesus, the birth of Jesus, Christmas, and the Christmas season. So, yes, I want that. Yes, I want that. So, um, and in our home, we're kind of changing things up a bit. We have been, um, I think you know, we we pray the rosary um, as a family on a, on a daily basis, but there have been some falling off of that um, that custom as a whole family. When um, school started back up, it became a little more complicated, and and kids were more tired, and they had homework, and they had tests, and there were these things getting in the way to us praying a rosary. So we still prayed the rosary every day, but it just happened that not everybody was there for the for the rosary. Those kids that were up and were able joined us in the praying of the rosary, but it didn't have that sense of oh, the whole family's praying together. So. Carrie was like, you know, she's really good at this. It's like, we got to freshen things up a bit. Let's introduce some new prayers, some other prayers into our Advent in order to be able to help create this sense of um, uh, that we're in a different season. And in addition to that, let's take a look at, uh, in the spirit of Advent, how do we remove some other blockages to us growing as a family? And what do I mean by that? Well, We covered it at our family meeting last weekend, 
and I'll tell you about it in a minute on Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. And, you know, I mentioned just before the break that um, there's a way in which um, I want Advent and living it well to clear away blockages so that we can have that manifesting, that showing up of the Lord in our lives. And, and you know, that is actually um, a theme that's also intimately connected to the Catholic Church's theology of the family. And, and you probably know this, right? John Paul II, in his vision of the Trinity, the Blessed Trinity, as a communion of persons, right? An intimate, mysterious, infinite, eternal, perfect communion of persons between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three divine persons in one divine nature, perfectly one and yet three, that that Trinity manifests itself, has a privileged place of showing up in the experience of a communion of persons in the world he has created. So there is a communion of persons among all human beings. Let's call it like a fundamental or foundational level. There's a communion of persons among every single human being because every single human being is a person who shares a communion in a common human nature. Now, it's not a substantial communion, but it is a created communion that they all share in a common human nature. So there's a way in which we have and are oriented towards relationships of communion. That's relationships marked by truth and love that bring life. Relationships marked by truth and love that bring life. They're well-ordered, and therefore, they're meant to be uh, sources of peace and joy. So without going too far into that theology of communion, there is a more there's a deeper intensification of that communion of persons in marriage. Marriage is a privileged cell in the human community, C-E-L-L, the foundational primordial cell of humanity is in that marriage bond between a man and a woman that the Lord has ordained to give a share in his creative power. We become co-creators with God in that great work of bringing about the existence of the creatures that he has intended in marriage. So in marriage, there's that openness to the gift of life. And so now that natural reality that is that comes from God according to his plan takes on a supernatural glow or radiance because of Christ. Christ coming among us creates his family, the family of God in the church. The church is the family of God. And the church as the body of Christ and the bride of Christ then supernaturalizes, elevates through grace, sacramentally elevates the reality of marriage and family so that the communion of persons that is at one level shared among all human beings and another level shared among all married couples who have families gets elevated to a whole other level among those who profess faith in Christ and share in the sacraments of baptism and other sacramental realities. And this is where theology meets life because I just used a lot of theology there to talk about this concept of a communion of persons. Again, that's a fancy phrase, communio personarum in Latin, that refers to the way in which 
two persons can be in a life-giving relationship together. And that goes back to the very nature of reality, the very nature of God himself. And that manifests itself in the family, in a Catholic Christian family in a distinctive way, meaning that God is saying there's an event, there's a breakthrough where I, the Blessed Trinity, will become manifest in this world where I will show up, and that is in the Christian family. In a Catholic Christian home, we are meant to express a communion of persons. When you can see a family together, being family together in a way that is manifesting truth and life and love, beauty and goodness, you will see a radiance of God himself. Now, that might just sound like theology um, in a way that is abstract and distant from life, but I tell you, it is what I have pursued intentionally, passionately, purposefully. Oh, I like those words as a father and as a husband. When Carrie and I talked and reflected and prayed and strategized and said, how do we how do we live in accord with the image of the Holy Family? It goes all the way back to that. When Carrie and I were first engaged, uh, we got engaged in front of the Blessed Sacrament and we walked over to the icon of the blessed uh, of the holy family and we consecrated our engagement and our married life to the holy family because we wanted our family we hoped we prayed we cried out to god may our family somehow manifest something of holiness of divinity of the very life of god now that's not like just some exalted goal that we just set for ourselves. That's the teaching of the church, that the family is a place where the Blessed Trinity breaks in and shows up, gives us a little glimpse of what the very life of God is like. Now, that's a very exalted goal. I, I went down that long trail because I want to ask you, parents, grandparents, when you get together with your families, what brings you the greatest sense of joy? the greatest sense of fulfillment. For me, it was in the last five days when we had all the kiddos back here, the nine kiddos in the home, and we were just together as a family. What we did together, how we spent our time together. There were so many just beautiful, lovely instances of being a communion of persons, a family where we enjoyed each other. It's, it's funny. It's like, if I say, oh, um, what am I proud of? Like, you think about the things like, what are you proud of in terms of accomplishments? One of the things I find the, I take the most delight in is the fact that I got to witness, or uh, not the fact, what I delight in is when my kids enjoy each other in a life-giving way. When my kids enjoy each other in a life-giving way. And I got to see that. Like, whether it was we, whether it was literally watching and laughing at a Hallmark movie together or playing poker together. The kids, all the kids had their little pile of chips and played poker together and the ability to like laugh and point fingers and, and, and say, oh, and, and, and what are we betting and all that. Or whether it was playing, um, we played uh, charades together. We played Mafia. That uh, uh, was another fun game together. Played The kids were playing Scattergories. They got up one morning, the last morning, uh, Sunday morning, 
before they left, they were playing categories together. Um, they went down to Coeur d'Alene. I was feeling sick. I didn't go. Uh, they went to like the fireworks together. And it was just for me, it was like, you know, one of my, the word pride, proud, like what am I proud of? I don't mean it like in the sinful way. Because you can think of proud of accomplishments, things that people have done that are measurable and visible, that maybe have a bit of, um, a bit of uh, uh, noble nobility or or uh, noteworthiness in, in the eyes of the world, and even in the eyes of faith, right? But it's just being together as a family. That for me, that's a that's just a huge triumph. That's just a huge victory, and and that's a fruit. For me, that's a fruit of something. That's a fruit of um, the the long efforts of tilling the soil over many years of um, getting the kids to focus on learning how to um, serve each other, to give over the center of attention to others, um, learn how to affirm and celebrate each other, um, giving them many opportunities to be active in in different uh, kinds of games together. Um, whether it was on teams or just at, at the house, and creating opportunities for the kids to be doing things together. Um, it's something that I want to say this. Don't take that for granted, that your kids are just going to enjoy each other and that the kids are going to um, know how to have fun together. Part of it's personality and temperaments and all of that. Um, and let me just say with nine kiddos, you get all types. But if I had to say, what would be a great marketing strategy for a large family. It would be, hey, come over and hang out with a family that has had a lot of kids in a small number of years, and they have been blessed with a manifestation of the communion of persons. Where Whether that is families that sing together or perform together or play musical instruments together. Um, it doesn't just have to be like play games or sports or, or things like that, but it's you know, great conversations together, right? All of those different manifestations of a communion of persons. It's like, thank you, Lord. Talk about gratitude in Thanksgiving. Gratitude comes from really recognizing the gift that you've been given when you've been given a family of faith that knows how to manifest the the richness of faith as a family that is a communion of persons you can taste you can you get some kind of sense for the very reality of god the god who created us father son and holy spirit it's a beautiful rich thing and we ought to be very grateful Back in a minute with more Sound Insight. Welcome back to the program. So I just gave a sort of a little theological and theology comes to life explanation of this idea of a communion of persons manifesting itself in the family. Well, the foundation of that in the home is prayer and many different ways of praying. I mentioned that um, I... um, have this prayer of reparation to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, which highlights the theme, the Advent theme, connected to Thanksgiving. But you know what? I, I'm feeling a little inspired to instead read you the prayers that Carrie and I decided on 
at Carrie's prompting, <laughs> Carrie was like, let's mix it up. Let's give these kids some new prayers to pray, to, um, to learn, to take into their hearts so that they can um, sort of broaden and widen um, their sense of, okay, there's something fresh and new here. I, I want to be paying attention. What am I actually praying when I pray this prayer? So I'm going to read or pray with you these prayers. And these will be um, some recommendations that you might want to consider as well. Um, some of these prayers you may have heard before, um, but for my family, these were new prayers. And there's five of them. Um, one is a prayer of St. Augustine, and it's another Holy Spirit prayer. And I love Holy Spirit prayers. Remember, if prayer is a developing of an intimate personal relationship with each of the persons of the Trinity, then praying to the Holy Spirit is a, is a beautiful devotion, and it's something that I think is underappreciated. It's not really done uh, that often, um, but this prayer is a prayer that you hear on Sacred Heart Radio. You hear it um, at least once a day. Um, it's the prayer of St. Augustine, and maybe, maybe you didn't realize it was from St. Augustine. I know I didn't. Breathe in me, O Holy Spirit, that my thoughts may all be holy. Act in me, O Holy Spirit, that my work too may be holy. Draw my heart, O Holy Spirit, that I love but what is holy. Strengthen me, O Holy Spirit, to defend all that is holy. Guard me then, O Holy Spirit, that I always may be holy. Amen. And then there's a prayer of St. Bonaventure. And if you um, go to the traditional Latin Mass, this is one of the prayers to pray before Holy Communion. And so it is, um, it is a prayer that you'll see emphasizes the event. Remember now, Advent is about God coming to us. It's a time as the event of God breaking into our lives. And you're going to hear in the course of uh, Advent, I'm going to talk about this, about um, Holy Communion and Jesus' presence in the Eucharist as having this event quality and going to visit him in the Blessed Sacrament as having this breaking in, breaking open, breaking into quality to it. So it's a beautiful prayer from St. Bonaventure. Pierce, O most sweet Lord Jesus, my inmost soul, with the most joyous and healthful wound of thy love, with true, serene, and most holy apostolic charity, that my soul may ever languish and melt with love and longing for thee, that in longing for thee, that it may yearn for thee, and faint for thy courts, and long to be dissolved and to be with thee. Grant that my soul may hunger after thee, the bread of angels, the refreshment of holy souls, our daily and super substantial bread, having all sweetness and savor and every delight of taste. Let my heart ever hunger after and feed upon thee, upon whom the angels desire to look. And may my inmost soul be filled with the sweetness of thy savor. May it ever thirst after thee, the fountain of life the fountain of wisdom and knowledge, the fountain of eternal light, the torrent of pleasure, the richness of the house of God. May it ever compass thee, seek thee, find thee, run to thee, attain thee, meditate upon thee, speak of thee, and to all things to the praise and glory of thy name, with humility and discretion, with love and delight, with ease and affection, 
and with perseverance unto the end. May thou alone be ever my hope, my entire assurance, my riches, my delight, my pleasure, my joy, my rest and tranquility, my peace, my sweetness, my fragrance, my sweet savor, my food, my refreshment, my refuge, my help, my wisdom, my portion, my possession, and my treasure, in whom may my mind and my heart be fixed and firmly rooted, immovably henceforth and forever. Amen. Boy, what a powerful prayer. I got to tell you, it's like I want to dig into that. Hopefully in the course of Advent, I'll have a chance to like reflect on that with my kids because so much of what St. Bonaventure says in that is reflective of his theology, of the spiritual senses and of um, desire, as well as of the affective dimension of spirituality. So much of it shows up beautifully in that beautiful prayer. The third one is a prayer that you might be surprised that we never really taught our kids, but it's funny, Mary Catherine at Franciscan, they pray this um, one regularly, and so she's, uh, oh no, they prayed it at um, at the Chesterton Academy, uh, where she was at school last year, and so she ended up learning it from her time there. It's the Anima Christi, soul of Christ, sanctify me, body of Christ, save me, blood of Christ, inebriate me. Water from the side of Christ, wash me. Passion of Christ, strengthen me. O good Jesus, hear me. Within thy wounds, hide me. Suffer me not to be separated from thee. From the malignant enemy, defend me. In the hour of my death, call me. And bid me come to thee, that with thy saints I may praise thee forever and ever. Amen. Beautiful prayer. Um, and then the, uh, the last prayer is a prayer of St. Padre Pio. And then, then we also pray the Canticle of Mary. And I thought that was brilliant, that Carrie thought it's a beautiful way to honor the sense of um, Advent being connected to the Blessed Mother. Um, and the Canticle of Mary is prayed in the Liturgy of the Hours in evening prayer. So I'm like, yeah, that's great. Let's introduce them to that, uh, to that Canticle, to the Magnificat. But first, the prayer of St. Padre Pio. I love this prayer. It's so personal. Stay with me, Lord, for it is necessary to have thou present, so that I do not forget thee. Thou knowest how easily I abandon thee. Stay with me, Lord, because I am weak, and I need thy strength, so that I may not fail so often. Stay with me, Lord, for thou art my life, and without thee I am without fervor. Stay with me, Lord, for thou art my light, and without thee I am in darkness. Stay with me, Lord, to show me thy will. Stay with me, Lord, so that I may hear thy voice and follow thee. Stay with me, Lord, for I desire to love thee very much and always be in thy company. Stay with me, Lord, if thou wishest me to be faithful to thee. Stay with me, Lord, for as poor as my soul is, I want it to be a place of consolation for thee, a nest of love. Amen. Isn't that a great phrase? A nest of love. That is so powerful. And then here's the last uh, prayer. And basically what we did was we just copy-pasted them onto a sheet of paper, printed them out two-sided, and then just have them available so that our family will read these prayers together. And you can be creative, like going back and forth, having you know each kid pray a particular stanza or section of the prayer. There's different ways of doing it to make it fresh. 
But let's finish with the Canticle of Mary. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. From this day all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm. He has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of his servant Israel, for he has remembered his promise of mercy, the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. It's funny, I, I want to immediately say glory be to the Father and to the Son, <laughs> because it's a part of, again, the uh, evening prayer, Vespers, uh, evening prayer in the Liturgy of the Hours. So so that's what we're doing um, as an alternative uh, evening prayer than to praying the rosary. And I also, I've said to the kids, like, we're going to pray the rosary as well um, afterwards, but these are the prayers that are our family prayers, and then if you would choose to stay, you can, because, again, with schooling and all that, it ends up being later, and so not everyone, um, they need their sleep, so they just, it's a little hard for them to stay up. So many other things that um, I will be talking about, but not today on the program, about ways of decorating your home in accord with Advent. Um, you know, with the wreath and the candles. Um, and then you can create settings in your home to help foster that spirit of prayerfulness and penance. Um, so many things that you can do. Um, oh, by the way, so say a prayer. Later today, I'm scheduled to interview Bishop Daly. And um, we're going to be talking about um, a, um, a really cool new project that is about to launch um, in the Diocese of Spokane. And so I'm excited to be able to talk with him um, tomorrow on Sound Insight. So he'll be on for uh, part of the program. And uh, so you, you don't want to miss that. Uh, I'm going to ask him about the, the new document um, uh, about the Eucharist that the Bishop's Conference just passed, and as well as talking to him about Advent as well. So lots to cover tomorrow um, with Bishop Daly, uh, Bishop Thomas Daly, the ordinary of the Diocese of Spokane. So please tune in for that. Hey, thanks so much for listening. Pray God's blessings on your day. Join me tomorrow for more Sound Insight.